Good morning, you guys. It is Amanda and Baron back with Kicking Cancer Cares. And we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors. We honestly wouldn't be here doing this show without them. And that is Breezy HVAC and Oddmo's Pizza. So make sure to show them some love and care and support. Again, that's Breezy HVAC and Oddmo's Pizza. Good morning, Baron. How are you? Good morning. Good to be here again. Yes, yes, it is. Let's do our recap of last week. Yeah. So last week we talked about my friend Jess, who I do the Spartan race with. Right. And he needed his own motivation. Mm -hmm. And you remember we talked about this girl, Jamie Savage? Yep. So I went back and found our old newsletter. Okay. And Jess actually wrote a small article in that newsletter after it was all done. Okay. So I thought maybe I could read that newsletter yeah, to you. Would that please, be good? Yes. So this is actually Jess's words, um, since he couldn't be here with us. So he says, The inevitable end did come. After a long battle with breast cancer, JB passed on November 26, 2018. On the 25th, Thanksgiving Day, my wife and I went to her house as planned for her death with dignity event. Jamie's strongest desire was not to spend any time admitted to an end-of-life care facility. After we all said our goodbyes in a truly moving experience, Jamie was moved by a, a firefighter team to the transport that would take her to the very facility she did not want to go to. Jamie would have none of it, so she passed quietly before spending the night. This was the happy news to all of us. Jamie was now free. On January 26, 2019, Jamie's 50th birthday, I attended her celebration of life with my family and Jamie's closest friends, her cancer survivor sisters. This entire experience has changed me in an unexpected way, mostly that I am part of the anti-cancer group, We Are the Solution, a.k.a. Kicking Cancer, where I can be instrumental in supporting and educating those who are in the fight for their lives. Oh, I wish she would have been here to tell us that. I, yeah. But that's all right. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, uh, I remember talking to him afterwards. He said, because he and I had talked about this with my sister, but my sister didn't die. Right, right. right. I mean, she did the Spartan race with us. And so for him to do all that training, and every day he would send Jamie a little text, like, you know. I did it. One, one more, more day. day. Yep. And to be there with her at the end truly has changed his life. I bet. Well, it sounds like he's involved with teaching more people. I mean, that's cool how she, she didn't die in vain. She, it, it, It's continuing what he's doing because of her and teaching other people. And Yes. That's really awesome. And, you know, you are really good at segues. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned them a minute ago, and really Jamie kind of spurred this for us. Uh, Jess was part of our initial board of directors. And we formed the organization about the time that Jamie was passing away. And I had I had come up with, I, I dug up the Gettysburg Address, was reading it for something, and I shared this quote with Jess. And he and I decided that because of Jamie and others like that, that we would keep talking about this. So I think I mentioned this before, but the, the Gettysburg Address was never, ever intended to be the, like this phenomenal speech that it's become. Right, right. right? It really talks about how brilliant Abraham Lincoln was. Um, there was this graphic battle in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. He's on a train to a memorial, a gravesite. But the North was done fighting. They, they, it had gotten too close to home by the time he got all the way to Pennsylvania. Right. And I think President Lincoln knew that if he didn't do something, they would stop fighting. 
And so in his speech, he said, this is actually a direct quote from the Gettysburg Address. Okay. From these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they, they gave the full measure of devotion. Do not let them die in vain. Don't let them die in vain. And that motivated the North to keep fighting. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But we have taken that exact same statement because he says, devotion to that cause for which they gave the full measure of devotion. Well, Mm -hmm. for us, that cause is cancer. Right. And they gave the full measure because they died from cancer. Right. And we're just saying, don't let them die in vain. So he's pushing out the information and making sure people understand and know what's going on and how to prevent it or how to make healthier choices. Yeah. We've... there's a graph I could I could show you. It doesn't do the listeners any good, but right. it's it's very intriguing that over the last 14 years of data that I can dig up from the American Cancer Society, there's a very flat line right now, but it's still 600,000 Americans every year are dying from cancer. Oh, that's, that's a, a flat lot. line. That's a lot. But the new cases is increasing. Ugh. And so if we can slow down the new cases, hopefully we can slow down the deaths as well. Right. But in the meantime... People like Jamie Savage shouldn't have fought this fight for no reason. Right. So that's where that phrase came from. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Do you have some interesting information? I like how we did that last week. That was really fun. Yeah. And last week you segued me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up a friend of yours. Yeah. So tell me again. What, what did so your... she had mentioned she's from out of country and she was like, I'm really surprised with how much advertising pharmaceutical companies do. It's everywhere. It's on billboards. It's on the radio. It's on the TV. She said, you don't see that where I'm from. Like literally almost a third of the commercials at least are, are pharmaceuticals. How long ago was she here? Um, Probably about, it was. I think this was about a year or two ago. Okay. Maybe even a little bit longer than that. Okay. So it was pre-COVID. 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 Okay. But so it's he, but, only worse now, I think. <laughs> well, and she wasn't from the States. No, no. So there's a, a book that I'm referencing, and I'm showing you, so okay. that the listeners don't know that I'm just making this stuff up. It's, it's the Chris Beats Cancer book. <laughs> yeah, so Chris Wark was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, and he beat it. He, he made that choice, kind of like... Uh, Marissa, we talked about. Right. right. He made the choice not to go down the traditional route. His friends gave him a lot of crap for it, but he went with this anti-cancer lifestyle that we talk about. Right. So he beat cancer, and now he's trying to help people through his book, and and, and he brings to light some very interesting information. Right. So in his book, it says there are only three countries in the world that allow drug companies to advertise to consumers. Wow, only three. Only three. And two That's of them, a really small amount. Yeah, there's a lot of countries in this world, <laughs> yeah. right? But what surprises me is the three are the United States, New Zealand, and to a lesser extent, Canada. Okay. So New Zealand's a pretty small country. Very. <laughs> and, and, he, and he says in here, um, in the States, drug advertisements are everywhere. They're on TV, they're on billboards, they're in magazines, they're online, which you just mentioned. Yeah. He says, so how did this happen? Lobbying. Okay. So there's been decades of lobbying back in Washington, D.C. And earlier in this particular chapter, uh, he brings up some interesting points. In the United States, medical doctors get their educations and earn their degrees at institutions funded by drug companies. Okay. Doctors are certified by the American Medical Association, which receives funding from drug companies. Doctors prescribe drugs approved by the FDA, 
which receives roughly $100 million a year as user fees from drug companies. Okay. So currently, there are about 1,200 registered lobbyists in D.C. for pharmaceuticals. 1,200 lobbyists. 1,200? Lobbyists. Okay. (laughs) And they spend $900 million a year lobbying for legislation. Whoa. So that's why there's so much on TV. Not. $900 $900 million a year. on advertising? Yeah. A year. Yeah. So not advertising, on lobbying. Oh, sorry. Lobbying. On lobbying. Okay. What, can you explain what that is to me? Uh, so back in D.C., there's if there's going to be a law that's coming out, mm-hmm. then there are people whose job is literally to go into Congress people and lobby or persuade them to agree with whatever law is going to oh, come okay. out. Oh, okay. 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 They pay these lobbyists to do their job. Right. And, and so- but they paid $900 million wow. to these lobbyists. That's even worse than I thought. <laughs> and the other part that uh, is because we just got through election process and you know, some of the ads on TV talked about pharmaceuticals. Right. $90 million a year is spent on campaign contributions to politicians. From the ph- pharmaceutical companies? From the pharmaceutical companies. That's That's odd. a lot of money. So – if Ninety I, million dollars to a campaign. So if I'm going to run for Senate, right? So there was somebody trying to run against Ron Wyden, right? Right. So if I'm going to run against Ron Wyden, I need some money because Ron Wyden's very well established here in Oregon. I need some money to get people to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Ninety million dollars a year is being funneled to politicians. I guarantee you, if 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 you pay me, then I am going to lobby in your favor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So politicians are being paid off and bought and bought to protect the pharmaceutical industry. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's terrifying. It's terrifying. Well, let me terrify you Holy some more. Smokes. Let me terrify you some more. Oh God. <laughs> okay, hit me with it. So, um, taxpayers fund research. We talked earlier in a different episode about um, the R&D costs for drugs. Right. Right? And they justify the fact that prices are high because they have to spend money on research and development. Which I guess makes sense. Which makes sense, right? Except that taxpayers are funding this research. So uh, the ta- us taxpayers are yeah, paying for the yeah. research? So let me give you an example. Okay, please. There's a drug called Toxel. Okay. And Toxel, without getting really technical, is... Uh, it's like an estrogen blocker for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's a really synopsis of what it does. But right. the government spent $484 million. $484 million, okay. Developing this drug. So we, we you, yeah. me, we paid the research and development to figure out how Toxel could work. We spent $484 million. Wow. Once they knew Toxel would do what it was supposed to do, they, gave, they licensed it. To Bristol Myers Squibb, okay, who has now made nine billion dollars selling that drug. Wow! And they've only paid back thirty-five million dollars in the research money. Why can't they just pay it all with their shiny nine billion dollars? Right? (laughs) What the? You you made nine billion dollars on a drug that you didn't spend the money for on the research. So then they can't justify the research costs. Thank you for saying. Or I mean, uh, for the (laughs) R and D. Yeah, because they didn't pay for it. They didn't pay for it. So it's like you're charging us twice. Unbelievable! Twice. Twice. (laughs) Twice. Yeah. 
And then saying it's so expensive because you had to pay for the research, which you, in fact, actually didn't pay for at all. Yeah. And many drugs, and we don't have time to get all of them, but many drugs are being funded currently by us right. on the research side. Then once the research is done, then they're licensed to a company to go sell it, and they make a lot of money selling it, but they're not paying back that R&D cost. That's too bad. Yeah. That's... Scandalous. Yeah. So you, you wanted me to bring something shocking. That was my shocking point for you. Well, you really shocked me this time. I'll give you that. I think that was definitely that tops it for all of them. All right. Well, let's get into our story for today. Yes. So you got a chance to read this story, didn't mm-hmm. you? I did. I got to scan over it. So, But I haven't gotten dived into the actual details that you so know. A couple of the interesting things for me on the details is how I found this story. Okay. So I started this organization in the summer of 2018, and really it was just me by myself running around with a bunch of shirts. And I had been invited out to Staten. They had their rodeo out there. Right. And, and there was a girl out there. Um, she had a business in Staten, and so she had brought some of her apparel out, very you know, cowboy hats and, and shirts. And so she and I got to talking. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, she actually was part of our first board of directors. She was the president of that first board. Okay. And after the board was formed, she said, there's a networking thing my brother goes to at Albany. You should go down and talk to them. So I go to Albany with the thought I was going there to actually meet her brother. Okay. Now, I think you would agree that sometimes God sends us someplace for a different reason than why we think we're going there. Absolutely. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yep. So I get down there and I'm talking about my sister and juicing and what she does. And one of the other people in this networking group represented a company called Juice Plus. Okay. So Juice Plus uh, basically take fruits and vegetables and they get all the water out, which is like 90%, and they put them in these capsules and you're getting all the phytonutrients of food in a capsule form. Oh, okay. So she's telling me about her business. I'm like, whoa, like my sister juice, which is messy. Yeah. And you got a capsule for it. That's really cool. And, and so we were getting ready to do one of our seminars. And because we had limited seating, I had a, a ticket basically to get into it. Mm-hmm. And she says, I would love to come. I said, well, I just need to know for sure you're coming because I only got X number of tickets. And she right. said, I'll go up. So I gave her a ticket. She calls me about a week later, and she says, oh, I just found I have a conflict that day. Can a friend of mine come? Her husband passed away from cancer. I okay, said, so you're like, sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's a ticket. Someone right. should use it. Turns out her friend was Danny Warren, which is James's wife. James and I had worked together about 14 years earlier. Oh, wow. Small world. I know. Is it, oh, so I wow. had I had to go to the I had to go to this the uh, rodeo in Staten to meet a girl who joined the board who sent me to a networking thing with her brother yeah to find <laughs> out about my friend who had died from cancer. Oh, is that crazy or yeah, what? Yeah, super small world. It's yeah. you're right. God does put us in certain places for this ripple effect. To, that's yeah. awesome. So his name is James Warren. Okay, and I in our in our time here, I want to share James's story because it's. I think it's pretty powerful. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it was September of 2012, which was way before James and I, our career paths separated about 2010. Okay. So this had occurred after we were going different directions, right? right? Um, and we talked, I think it was our very first episode together, we talked about my sister and that, that thermography machine. Yes. And how cancerous cells are hotter. Right. So James was having some really bad pains on his knee, 
And when his wife would touch the knee, that, that knee was hotter than the other knee. How interesting. And they would go in. He liked to play basketball. And so the doctor was like, you know, you just, you just strained it. Here's some ibuprofen. Right. And it wasn't working. And she actually got very forceful and said, you need to do an MRI. You need to x-ray this knee. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. She was pretty convinced it was cancer. Really? And she actually said the article that she, that she sent to us that the doctor laughed but appeased her and went ahead and did the x-ray. So just kind of, <laughs> it's not really cancer, but you know what? Let's just for, just for a good giggle, let's right. do the x-ray. Right. And 24 hours later, they found that he had cancer. Oh, how heartbreaking. He had a very large mass above his knee that ate in a hole through his femur. It ate a hole through it? Yeah. Wow. Now, people who understand the, your, your body... From your hip to your knee is your femur. That's a okay. very large bone. bone. Right? Yeah. The one of, yeah. Very large one of the bone. biggest, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So basically it had this cancer for quite a while for it to eat a hole through that femur. A long, long while. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, they did treat it. And then she says three years, two surgeries, and a couple complications later, the cancer came back with a vengeance in the form of a very large and inoperable tumor on his hip, which also extended to his sacrum. Okay. Uh, the tumor caused James to lose his ability to walk. For the last years of James's life, he required 24-7 custodial care. So I, his wife Danny, had to leave my full-time job at the University of Oregon, as well my part-time job as a pastoral counselor to stay home and take care of him. Sad. That's got to be so hard. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. But... A couple of the really amazing things about James, because again, he and I worked together uh, at this point, I think it was like 16 years ago now that we worked together, but um, James was a, a big guy. Mm-hmm. He was probably 6'3 or 6'4. Oh, wow. Really big. Big guy. Okay. So when I first met, and, and he was a black guy. Okay. Not that that matters either way, but it plays into the story a little right. bit. Right. So he jokingly told me his claim to fame was he sacked Dan Marino. <laughs> Good for him. So for some him. of your listeners will remember who Dan Marino is. <laughs> <laughs> what makes that story so interesting is James went to college. He, he grew up in Chicago, so he went to college at, at the University of Illinois, mm-hmm. which is in the same conference as University of Pittsburgh. Right. Which is where Dan Marino went. Right. So he did not sack Dan Marino when he was a uh, Miami Dolphin. Oh, okay. But he did sack him. <laughs> it's like, you know, who cares? Just tell people you sacked yeah, Dan Marino. Yeah, you sacked him. That's all, that's all that matters. <laughs> right, right. So that kind of gives you an idea of how big James was. He played Division One football. Right, wow. That's when he impressive. got Yeah. When he got out, um, he joined the Marines. Okay. And I think this is really cool, but... Um, he became an NP, military police, with the, with the Marines. That is really cool. That's and super cool. And he was stationed in Ghana. Okay. And the ambassador to Ghana was Shirley Temple. Oh. Who's Shirley Temple? So sorry. Did I just ruin please, it? Please don't tell me. You don't. You don't. Oh, oh, no. So, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am old enough that you don't. <laughs> Shirley Temple was a child actress. She uh, was the one with the red hair and the curls? Yeah, yeah. Okay, she sounds really... Did she play Annie or something? She, 
No, no, some, but but she wasn't. I I I, convi- I see it. Yes. So tons and so tons sorry. of movies had Shirley Temple. Okay. As she grew up, she got married, so she was Shirley Temple Black. Okay. But he was her bodyguard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. I mean, she's an ambassador. Wow, he was really just a, a do-it-all type of guy. The football, bodyguard, uh, well, military police. And and my favorite story of James's was when he gets back to Chicago, just looking for some work, um, he got a job as Michael Jordan's what? bodyguard. Okay. That's cool. Yep. And and at one point, they had gone to some away game. Right. So he's there with Michael Jordan, protecting Michael Jordan. And as they get out of the car, Michael Jordan's bags were sitting there. And mm-hmm. Michael looked at James, and he said, can you take my bags in the hotel? And James says, I was hired to protect you, not carry your bags. Okay. Carry your own bags. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like, hey, I'm. I'm. That is not a part of my. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Just so, because you're Mike, yeah. Just because you're Michael doesn't mean I. I uh, just bow down. Yep. So he was definitely um, self confident. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Very self confident. Okay. So by the time I met James, he was in his fifties, and he had left Chicago, moved to Paloma, which is right outside Corvallis, and there's this little coffee shop. Um, they're called Imagine Coffee. Okay. So if you leave Corvallis, like you're heading to Newport, you'll see it. It's just barely past the Buy Mart. I, I've been there, met the owners, and they have a stage where you could bring your music in and play your music or, you know, whatever. And so every year at Christmas time, James was Santa Claus. Oh, that's cool. Wow. He was just a do it all guy. He really was a do it all guy. That's cool. He yeah. just. Oh, that's cool. He just yeah. loved with the kids and the magic of it all. Yeah. I and, love it. And I, I, I think um, his his wife actually references this a little bit. She said, kids loved him. So did everyone else. He was he was the story time guy at Imagine Coffee in Corvallis every Saturday morning. It wasn't the stories they loved. It was the way he got them involved in the stories and how he connected with each one of them. On several occasions, parents would bring their kids and warn him their children were shy and likely wouldn't engage. To their parents' amazement, James would have the children laughing and practically eating out of his hand in no time. Oh, that's sweet. At Christmas time, James would don the red suit and beard and entertain young and old with a hearty ho, 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> and what I love about that is when you think of your typical Christmas stories on TV, mm-hmm. Santa's a white guy, right? Right, right. Santa's a oh, white guy. Yeah. But these little kids, they didn't see color. That's cool. They, they, saw, just... they saw a very jovial Santa Claus. They and didn't the care who was a black guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's yeah. super sweet and See, touchy. I told you I'd bring you a happier story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I wasn't sure. Half the time, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is still horribly unfortunate that, that James did, did lose his battle with, with cancer. Um, I think the benefit from that whole thing, by the time I met Danny, uh, James had been passed away for a couple of years. And when, I, when she heard what I was doing... You know, she wanted to get involved. So listeners can't see it, but I'm wearing a shirt that we did at an event for James. It's a and, blue one. And what does it say on the back? Oh, James Warren Legacy. Yes. Okay. That's- so we told, I met her at the end of 2018. I told her every shirt we make 2019, the entire year, is going to be dedicated to James's memory. Okay. And so there's about two or three hundred shirts with his name on the back of it. I like how you do stuff like that and... and- 
you don't let them die in vain. You really, really don't. And so that's really cool. Keep their name out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's important. Yeah. So that was, the, and, and Danny looked at me. She had just turned 59 years old when I met her. And because of what Jade was going through, um, they were about ready to lose her house. She had lost her job at Oregon State University. And she said, I never thought 59 years old, I would have to start my life all over again. That would probably be the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. That's not easy at all. But because of what her friend with the Juice Plus stuff does, mm -hmm. Danny got involved with that company and she's actually doing very well right now, but okay. she had to rebuild her life and that's that's hard. Yeah, well good for her for getting back out there and trying to make a difference and it sounds like she's headed in the right direction to make other people's lives better. Yeah. So yeah. that's important. So that's part of what we're hoping to do as well. So you, I love how you give our shout-out. So we give a shout-out again to our... Yes, absolutely. So we are here because of Breezy HVAC and Oddmo's Pizza. So please, you guys, make sure to support them and show them your love because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And tune in next week as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.